0: Luke, chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also this is the word of the Lord good evening again would you join me in prayer as we get started father God I just pray that the words that have been prepared are truly from you I pray that you would open our eyes and our hearts to the message you have for us Lord we know that your word goes out, and it does not return void. And even these three short verses have a lot to say to us. Much more than we'll even unpack in the next few minutes. Lord, we pray that you would be honored and glorified in this, the preaching of your word. We ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Is the microphone on and loud? I'm used to having something in my ear. I can't hear. So, Yes? Good? Okay. Um... You know, when Jonathan asked me to to preach one of the weeks that he'd be away after having the baby, he said I could pick any text I wanted in Luke that we haven't preached on. And so I immediately said, well, I'll pick our foundation verse because it wasn't scheduled to be preached on. I figured if it's good enough for us to memorize, it must be good enough to preach on, right? I mean, that makes sense. And then I was thinking back to the last time I preached here at Cornerstone, and it was November of last year. And I preached on 1 Timothy six seventeen through 19. And I'm like, okay, I'm kind of sensing a theme here. If you remember in that one, I told us all that we were rich and that we need to be giving away more money. And I was thinking, oh boy, am I setting myself up to just kind of like preach on the same thing every time I preach. And the message from that one was that you can't take hold of eternal life if you're holding on to money. And so as I looked at this one, I said, oh, I don't want to preach the same sermon, but if that's what this is saying, that's what I want to do. But as I started to look at it, and I started to meditate on it and just think about it, and I started to read and listen to what some other people have to say on this passage, God really gave me a definitively different, yet certainly not contradictory message out of this passage. So, you know, starting with the context where we pick up before this, Jesus is addressing his disciples. So, one of the differences here is that this message is for people who are following Christ already. So, this message is for believers. So, it doesn't have to do with your eternal life, I don't think, this passage. This passage has to do more with how we, as His followers, are to live here on earth, and maybe more importantly, why. Why does God want us to live that way? And so, I was really happy to have a slightly different twist, a slightly different message, And really started to dive into this, and it was really kind of interesting to me because I think I'd glanced over these passages and just kind of put them in that same category of lots of other passages like the rich young ruler and the first Timothy passage and other ones where, you know, Jesus tells people to, or Timothy or Paul tell people to sell their stuff, give to the poor. But I really think there's a lot more in this passage. So the first point I have comes from the first verse. Of the passage we do not need to fear lacking daily necessities and care the first verse says do not be afraid little flock for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom in the previous verses where he was starting to talk with the disciples he told them not to worry about what they're going to eat what they're going to wear he said even the pagans worry about these things He said, but seek first the kingdom of God. Think about kingdom things, and all these other things will be added to you too. You know, he tells them that your heavenly Father knows you need them. You don't need to worry about them. So I think the simple message from this part is don't worry about that stuff. It's going to be taken care of. Don't spend your days fretting about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat. But I think there's a whole lot more we can unpack in this short little verse. It starts off by saying, little flock. So, if you're familiar with the Bible, you know there's a lot of sheep and shepherd themes throughout. So, little flock. So, he's calling his disciples sheep. What do we know about sheep? Well, they're not the smartest animals. They are kind of obstinate. They lack direction. They lack the ability to protect themselves and to care for themselves. They really need a shepherd. So, right away, if he's speaking to us as his followers, he's kind of… He's not really complimenting us. He's he's saying, you know, you guys you're not that bright. You're going to go the wrong direction if you don't follow me and you need my protection. So that's one thing. From that we can infer that Jesus is a shepherd. So there's two things right away just from the that little phrase, little flock. Then he tells them that your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. So we see that when you follow Jesus, you're part of a family. You have a father. He's talking about God as his father. And he says he's pleased to give you the kingdom. So we learn two more things that we have a father, and that father apparently is a king because he has a kingdom, and that he's pleased to share that with us. So that's not really the point of the sermon, but I thought as I was unpacking this, it's like, wow, there's a lot in that little verse that I think I just normally read over and keep going. There's a lot of things that we can see in there. We need a shepherd. We need a good father and a good king. So what we can take from that is that we have a good shepherd, a good father, and a good king. We do, need not, we do not need to worry about these things because our father, who happens to be a king, is pleased to give us things, and there is no lack of resources in his power. Our last sermon series, our foundation verse was Psalm 23. Another passage that I think I read, I've memorized in multiple versions, probably then forgotten some of the words, but it's a very familiar verse. But I'm going to read it again, and I want you to just really focus on how Psalm 23 relates to what Jesus is telling his disciples here, not only in the th- two more verses we're going to unpack, but in the preceding ones. It says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures, he leads me beside still waters. the fact that if we have Jesus as our shepherd, we're not going to want. We don't need to worry about eating and drinking, what we're going to wear, having rest. Jesus has promised us these things, in fact. And it goes on through that psalm to talk about not being afraid, even though there's you know things going on around you. And it talks about the um, surety of an eternal life with Jesus as our shepherd. And that all ties in to the passage that we have. Now, I don't watch a lot of TV because I don't have a lot of time, but I, there are some shows I like, and I always want to work a Seinfeld reference into my sermons because I just love Seinfeld, but I couldn't. So instead, you're probably going to think less of me, but there's a show that I watch sometimes, a reality show on the Discovery Channel called Naked and Afraid, and I'm fascinated by the show because I don't want to be dropped off with no food, no water, no clothes, no shelter in the Amazon or in sub-Saharan Africa because I don't think I would make it. And so I like to watch and see what these people do and how they make it. But I think in this scenario where you are literally naked and afraid and you're working to build shelter and find food, what are you thinking about 24 hours a day except when maybe you can doze off for a little bit? All you're thinking about is what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink. Maybe in sub-Saharan Africa, what are you going to wear because I'd be burnt to a crisp in three hours? It's, you know, think about these things. God has said, Don't spend your time worrying about these things. He's going to take care of them. Worry about more important things. The previous verses tell us to seek first the kingdom. Now, contrast that with when a child, we just have an example of this, right? Uh, Little Elijah was just born to Jonathan and Monica. He has a good father and a good mother. And he is not spending a moment worrying about what he's going to wear, what he's going to eat, what he's going to drink. They are there. They are taking care of it. When he cries, they try to figure out what he needs, and our Father is going to do the same for us, if we trust that. I hope we do. The next point is that we are to be generous as our Father is generous. The first part of verse 33 says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Now remember, Jesus is talking to his disciples. These guys are not walking around with a lot of cash in their pockets. These are not rich men. They are kind of traveling around with Jesus, living in who knows what kind of conditions. So he's telling them, if you're going to give to the poor, what do they probably need to do? They probably need to sell something, because they're not walking around with cash in their pockets. So God is saying, be generous, okay? You don't know what you're going to eat. You don't know what you're going to wear. You could sell the shirt off your back. You could give away your lunch. Don't worry about it. God's got it taken care of. You can... You don't have to fear being generous. It reminded me of a time, and I hesitate to tell stories about myself, but I'm going to anyway. In 2010 or 11, I'm not exactly sure which, um, I had finally come in possession of a snowblower. I'd wanted one for a long, long time, and it was given to me. It was handed down through not great circumstances, but I had a a snowblower that worked, and I was pretty excited to have it. And it was not very long after that... um, Oh, put it in context. We had actually just finished one international adoption. We're in the middle of another. And cash was not flowing out of my pockets like the disciples. And I'm thinking, it's great. I got this snowblower. I don't have to keep shoveling the driveway. And God very clearly told me, sell the snowblower and give all the money you get from it to this guy in Haiti that I knew who had two kids and a wife, but he had no house. And I was obedient in that. I sold the snowblower, kind of little sad about it at the time, but I sold the snowblower, I took that money, and I put it in an envelope, and next time I went down to Haiti, I gave it to this guy. And I'll tell you, there's a certain amount of joy that came with shoveling the driveway the next couple of seasons, as I remembered, you know, what was able to happen with that money. And that snowblower is still running today. I happen to know who I sold it to. They're very grateful to have it. I actually work with them. And It's still running strong, but I can guarantee you this. That snowblower will be on the scrap heap before too long. It's not going to last forever. It's going to wear out. It's going to die. This quote from John Piper I like based on this passage. He says, Sell the treasure that will not last and seek the treasure that will not fail. That's really a great summary of the passage we're looking at. Jesus is telling us to sell the treasure that will not last, whether it's a snowblower, whether it's anything else that you have, it's not going to last. So if you can turn that into something eternal, if you can invest in the kingdom in some way, in people, that is something that will last, that will not fail. I think that's just a a great quote, and we're going to come back to that, and I'm actually going to use part of that as my next point. Seek the treasure that will not fail. That's really where the second half of verse 33 goes. It says, Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. So, how do we do this? How do we provide purses for ourselves that will not wear out? What does that mean? How do we store up treasure for us in heaven? I think the answer is actually right in the first part of that verse. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. There's something that happens when you do that that helps you lessen your grip on your possessions and helps you firm up your grip on eternity, on the kingdom. Each time you do it, I think it has that effect. And when you go a long time without doing it, I think as humans, we tend to go back to treasuring earthly stuff. I'm not going to spend a lot of time. I'm sure you've all heard sermons. You're all smart enough to know what Jesus is talking about when he says things are going to wear out, right? Anything we put outside, if it's metal, it rusts. Anything that we leave sitting around, you know, you take a sweater out of the closet, oh, a bunch of holes in it, you know. Is, there's no guarantee with anything that we have here in life. So there's no reason not to give it away. Why are we afraid to give away things that won't last in turn for something that will? So seek the treasure that will not fail. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. There's another thing that this reminded me of, and it's also in Luke. I don't think we preached on it, but I might be wrong. I didn't go back and look. Luke 6:38. it says this. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. There seems to be something in the way the kingdom of God works. Now, we all know in heaven there's not going to be sadness or mourning or any of those things. We're not going to be jealous of each other, etc. But there seems to be something here that Jesus is saying, what you do here matters for eternity. The way that you give, it's going to be given to you. The measure that you use to give to others is the measure God's going to use when he gives to you. And I couldn't help but think of, The sheep and the goats in Matthew, where Jesus says, and this is far more scary than how things are going to be measured out to us, but since this is a a sermon really for believers, Jesus is talking to believers, we're not going to dwell on that. But Jesus in the sheep and the goats says to the people who uh, were there on his right, you know, when you visited the people in prison, when you gave food to the hungry, when you gave water to the thirsty, when you did these things, you did it like you were doing it for me. And he says to the goats on his left, when you didn't do it for those people, You didn't do it for me. So there's something very critical in the kingdom economy in the way that, that Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of God, that it's important to take care of the people around us and to share what we have. I don't think you can really argue about that. So, you know, we see Jesus sending away people who cared more about their possessions than they did about the people around them. And we see him welcoming in people who cared more about the people around them than they did their possessions. So... We'll say it one more time. Seek the treasure that will not fail. Store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. Now the last verse, my final point, is Jesus calls us to abundant life. You know, I said that this passage is a lot more about how Jesus' followers are to live and why. I've, I think made it kind of clear how I think Jesus wants us to live, but I may not have explained the why very well other than Maybe you'll get a little bit more reward in heaven, but do we really care? We're not going to be sad there anyway, so let's not focus on that. Let's focus on what I really think Jesus is trying to do for us here on earth, which is this. Verse 34 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So I think this is the practical for the here and now, why do we want to live this way? You know, in John 10, Jesus is also comparing himself as a shepherd and calling his followers as sheep. And he talks about thieves stealing and breaking in and even trying to harm the sheep. And he says as the good shepherd, he's trying to protect his sheep. So I think Jesus is trying to protect his disciples here. He's trying to guard their heart. He says where their treasure is, their heart will be also. So if your treasure is in the things that are not permanent, how are you going to feel when they're no longer there? Think of the sayings that we have about our heart. Some people say, well, it really fills my heart when I see such and such. That means that they're getting joy, right? When somebody says, don't lose heart, they're really saying, don't lose hope. Jesus knows that our heart is the source of our hope and the source of our joy, And we are called as Christians to be joyful and to be full of hope in all circumstances. The only way we can do that is if our heart is treasuring eternal things, things that cannot fail. So Jesus is trying to protect his disciples. Because remember, in John 10 he tells them that and further on he continues to tell them that they're gonna have trouble in this world because things aren't gonna go exactly as they planned. They're going to have people against them. They're going to be scattered. He's trying to prepare them for a tough road ahead. If you want to read about the lives of the disciples, you're going to find about a lot of people whose lives did not end, you know, with a prosperity gospel. These aren't guys who ended up retiring to a a great life, you know, hanging out with plenty of money. A lot of these guys came to a pretty nasty end here on earth. But they didn't lose their hope. They didn't lose their joy. So we understand that things degrade over time, right? We're keenly aware that things on Earth are temporary. We would never treasure a car or a boat. We would never treasure a beautiful lawn or a nice house. We would never care so much about our job that we would treasure that, or maybe our 401k balance. That's not stuff that we would do, I don't think. What about maybe our athletic ability or our health? We wouldn't, we wouldn't treasure that. That wouldn't be a source of hope or joy, I don't think. What about our ability to walk? Do we treasure that? Would we lose our joy if we didn't have it? What about our spouse, our family? We're supposed to treasure those things, right? Well, where would you be if you lost your job and then they repossessed your car because you couldn't make the payments? Would you lose your joy? What if the stock market dropped by 50% next week and your 401k balance was half of what it was today? Would you lose your hope? What if your house burned down? What if you were paralyzed in an accident on the way home today? Would that take away, would that steal your joy and your hope for the future? What about if you, like Job, lost everything, including your family? How would you go forward? How would you move on in life? You know, there are very few absolute promises in Scripture, actually, outside of who God is and his attributes. We can absolutely lay claim to all of those things about God being good and God being with us and all of those things. But Jesus did make some promises to his followers. In Luke chapter 9, 23 and 24, Jesus said this, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. In John 16:33, still talking to his disciples, he has just told them that he's going to leave and they're going to be scattered, and he says, I've told you all these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So I don't think we can doubt that it's supposed to be hard at times to follow Jesus. We know the world's broken, we know life's not easy. But Jesus made a lot of other promises to his followers as well. He said he came to give us abundant life, a joy-filled life. He said he came to be our rest. He said he would give us power in the Holy Spirit. He said he would give us eternal life. He said that he's away now preparing a place for us and that he's going to come back. These are all promises that we can count on. These are sure things. So can we find our hope and our joy in the fact that we can rest in Christ's finished work? That we can rest in the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives? That we can rest in the fact that we have Eternal life to look forward to as followers of Christ. That He's there even now, preparing us a place that's beyond our wildest imagination or dreams, and that one day He's coming back to take all of His followers home. Jesus wants us to reduce the things we treasure on earth and increase the things we treasure in heaven. God wants to protect our hearts our joy, and our hope. I was listening to a podcast this week that I listen to every week, and the guest on it was Christine Kane. I don't know if any of you know who she is, but uh, for 30 years she has been traveling the world, not only speaking, um, but she and her husband run um, several worldwide organizations that deal with human trafficking and those sort of things. She was um, abandoned as a child. She, on her birth certificate, says unnamed, unwanted. She has an amazing story. She was adopted. She came to Christ at age 21 at Hillsong Church in Australia. And at 51 now, has spent 30 years serving God. A few years ago, she was diagnosed with cancer um, in her throat. And it was a fairly aggressive form of cancer and when she met with the doctor she said the way she sees it there's three things that can happen number one god could heal her miraculously and that's what she certainly hoped would happen because she thought boy that would be a great story to be telling people as she travels around number two god's going to use the doctors the medicine the treatments to heal her or number three god's going to take her home and heal her permanently She said, option A, I win. Option B, I win. Option C, I win. There's nothing to worry about. It's a pretty amazing story when she tells it, and to think about how we would feel in that circumstance or any of the other circumstances that I laid out if we're treasuring things here on earth too much, if we're holding too tightly to the things here. So what can we do to treasure Jesus more? What can we do to treasure God more? What can we do to treasure the kingdom more? Well, one simple way, and it's not the only way, and it's not the cure all, but one way that Jesus tells his followers is to sell our possessions and give to the poor. We don't need to hold tightly to possessions or fear giving. Because we can trust God desires to give us the kingdom. So, you know, in olden times, we see in the Bible, Jesus encountering people who said, why is this guy sick? What did he do? What sin did he do in his life? You know, but we all know, right? We're smart enough to know that's not the way God works. When we see people on TV raking in lots of money, preaching, flying in private planes, we know that that's not... The gospel, either. The message that he gives his disciples is clear. Take up your cross and follow him. In this world, you will have trouble. Doesn't mean that our Father, who's good, is not going to give us good things here on earth to enjoy. But let's not treasure them. Let's enjoy them while we have them. Let's share them with those around us. And let's hold tight to the things that last for eternity. Sell the treasure that will not last. And seek the treasure that will not fail. Remember that we have a good shepherd, a good father, a good king. Remember that God desires to give us the kingdom. Remember that we cannot exhaust God's resources, no matter how much we give away. Be generous as our heavenly Father is generous. Hold loosely to the things of this world and give to those in need. Help those in need of help and don't be afraid To give beyond what might seem smart store up treasure in heaven treasure god treasure christ your heart your joy and your hope will all follow your treasure protect them by putting them in a secure place please pray father god we thank you for this reminder that you love us that you are a good shepherd and that you protect your sheep And one of the ways that you do that is by warning us about placing our hope and our trust and our joy in things that are temporary, in treasuring the things that will not last. Help us to sell the treasure that will not last and seek the treasure that will not fail. Lord, help us to take seriously your promises that we need to take up our cross and that we will have trouble, but also take very seriously your promises of rest, your promise to never leave us or forsake us, your promise to give us the Holy Spirit, your promise to preserve us in eternal life, your promise to prepare a place for us, your promise to come back again and take us home, to be with you forever. The promise that there is a day coming when there will be no mourning, no weeping, no crying. There will be no sadness, no sickness, no death. There will be no loss. Lord, help us to look forward to that day. Help us to treasure that day. Help us to hold loosely to the things you give us here on earth. Share them with those around us. And enjoy an abundant life where our joy and our hope are secure in you. And not in any of the things that we mentioned before. Father, we pray as we take the offering that you would take that, that you would multiply it, that you would bless it, that you would give us wisdom in using it for your work here at Cornerstone. We ask all these things in Jesus' name.